0: Are you stuck in a dead-end job? Personal problems got you down. You can't go! All the plants are gonna die. I've lost my job, my apartment, my car, and my girlfriend. Well, the army can turn your life around. Before I knew it, she was walking next to me saying do I did it did it dumb did it? Did it do. Join a whole new breed of professionals. Oh my, God, my Mama! Learn what it's like to feel like a man. Get your body into incredible shape. Master important career skills. <laughs> what are you going to do with
1: that? This. And this.
0: <laughs> And represent your country in foreign lands. Chicago, <laughs> bang, bang. So if you're a man who likes to take charge of your own life, and this looks like your kind of challenge, boom, shag-a-lager, boom, shag-a-lager, boom, shag-a-lager, boom, shag-a-lager, boom. join the wackiest group Razzle, dazzle, that ever put on a uniform. Hey everybody, welcome
2: me to watch this podcast. I'm Alan.
0: I'm Ryan, and I'm Devin.
2: And we're going to try this again. Uh, we <laughs> tried this earlier this week, and uh, it didn't go so well. No. But uh, I think Devin's fixed his network connectivity issues. And it should be all dialed in. It should be good. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, today we're going to talk about one of the best films that Devin has ever seen. Because a few weeks ago, Devin made us watch the worst movie he's ever seen, <laughs> which was Movie 43. Oh, boy. Sorry, guys. Yeah. Um, no you're not. That's true. You're uh, right. <laughs> I have no statement. <laughs> so uh, as uh, as as punishment, we we told Devin to pick his one of his the best movies he's ever seen to make us watch. So uh Devin tell us about the film you had us watch to, for today.
3: All right. So I had you guys watch the movie Stripes. Uh, so, for those of you that don't know what Movie Stripes is, it is a 1981 movie directed by Ivan Reitman, um, known for such movies as Heavy Metal, Ghostbusters, the New Baywatch movie, the New Ghostbusters, and Animal House. So, pretty big <laughs> name. Uh, he, um, let me think, it was originally, so this movie was actually originally a Cheech and Chong vehicle, oddly enough. Uh, they were meant to be the two leads. Uh, and it was written by Len Blum for that uh, that reason, and Cheech and Chong ended up being too expensive, so they gave it to Harold Remus, who rewrote it for him and Bill Murray. So this movie is kind of stacked with uh, with really cool old celebrities. Um, it's Bill Murray, Harold Ramis, John Candy, Warren Oates, Judge Reinhold, and I know I'm forgetting a whole bunch more. Uh, those are just the names I wrote down. Um... Yeah, so we ended up watching Stripes. Uh, I had, I think, I just watched or I have watched Stripes when I was in high school. Um, I had seen it first. I bought like a three pack of like the best of Bill Murray, and I think it was like Ghostbusters, Ghostbusters two, and Stripes, which apparently <laughs> is the best of Bill Murray. And um, I like knew that I'd love Ghostbusters one and two. And was like, oh, what's this Army movie? And ended up watching it more than I did Ghostbusters 1 and 2. Um, So I am curious to hear what you guys have to think because I know, Ryan, you've seen it before. Yes. But, Alan, you haven't. So, Ryan, when was the first time you
1: saw Stripes? (laughs) So so I saw it before 93 because that was before we moved to Pennsylvania. And Mm -hmm. I believe I saw it on, like, network television. It was like TNT or USA or one of those shows, and I remember my dad like calling me into the living room to watch it because he was really excited. Um, he, he he was a huge fan of Bill Murray, and so and. Uh, we watched it and to me as a little kid, oh, it's an army movie and, you know, it's funny and my dad's laughing and my mom's laughing. So then as a kid, I laughed like I found as an eight year old, some of like a few of the jokes funny as I got older, obviously a lot more became funny. Um, but I think this might have been my introduction to John Candy, believe it or not. Wow sweet so even before like uncle buck this yeah. was your introduction um i wow. didn't see uncle buck until well after i saw this and well after i saw some of the other movies he was on
2: i think my introduction to john candy was home alone wait cuz he plays he plays the poker king of poughkeepsie or something yeah which i find funny because he's like
1: he's like hey we've got this really famous comedic actor but he's just gonna play a small role in it like it was one of those you know like you know like small roles for like a big actor at at he shot that in a day yeah he shot it in a day i find it funny that that's your introduction to it because it's i mean it's cool you know because it's it's such a small part
3: yeah Uh, The other thing I wanted to address before we talked about what we liked about it was versions of this movie. Because there are at least three main versions of this movie going around. There is a theatrical cut. There is the extended cut. And then there's the TV edit. And I think I've only ever seen the theatrical cut. I know I watched the theatrical cut specifically for the podcast. Uh, What kind did you guys watch?
2: I watched... i watched the dvd that ryan gave me which had the extended <laughs> cut and the theatrical cut uh-huh. and i ended up watching the theatrical cut okay and i, I part way through it i regretted that choice uh because the dvd is so old that for the extended cut they just had it skip over the extended <laughs> scenes so it would pause at random times yes like they at one point um held ramus makes a joke about i got the shit kicked out of me in Wisconsin and it cut off in the middle of Wisconsin. And I was like, wait, was there more to that joke? And there is in the extended cut from what I've read, but I, it just looked like it was skipping like a CD in the nineties. Yeah. That Got thrown across the driveway.
1: Oh, wow. Yeah. I, I apologize about that, Alan. Uh, I do. And, and, and actually I had my own problems with it because I watched it before I gave it to you. Uh, When you first turn on this DVD, it comes up with a menu and it gives you the option to watch a theatrical version and the extended cut version. Well, this DVD is the extended cut and it gives you the optional theatrical cut. So it automatically highlights the extended cut first. Well, me having faster thumbs than I can think selected enter before I could move the up arrow and I selected the extended cut and the the Blu-ray player wasn't giving me an option to like reverse that decision so i was stuck watching the extended cut and alan what you're talking about is right after he says wisconsin across the bottom of the screen it'll say bonus footage with two asterisks and then at the end of the extended stuff it'll say the same thing again So they were probably trying to cut out those words on the bottom. And by doing that, they cut off, like, the last syllable of Wisconsin.
2: (laughs) And I I also think the way they do DVD chapters has changed. Yeah. And they, like, layer the different files on the disc. So every once in a while, I'll see a DVD skip a little bit where it's changing layers. And it just feels like it was that, but exaggerated even more. Mm Mm-hmm. So I was able to get through it, but thanks for the heads up. Yeah, well, they're... And they hey, extended. it saved me the it's It saved me four dollars from renting it. So you know
1: it, and I'm happy that I was able
2: it's to a do small that price, for you. Small, small <laughs> price to pay. Yeah. So wait, so wait, Ryan, you
3: saw the yeah. extended cut then? Yeah. Did we miss out?
1: Like, uh, as far as I'm concerned, no. Uh, because no? everything that was cut out was just extended conversations, and then one mm-hmm. random like. Uh, Army basic escape attempt that goes horribly wrong, and they wind up back at basement. I mean, back at basement, back at basic. <laughs> <laughs> um, but like, uh, just like uh, using using Alan's example, when he says, "I got beat up in Wisconsin," that leads into this monologue between Harold Ramis. Did I get that mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um. Uh, and Bill Murray, and it's a long conversation and I like Bill Murray I like Harold Ramis and I had to roll my eyes at some of the things they were saying and some of the conversations are extremely dated and honestly kind of racist
2: yeah Yeah. we'll get into that we don't have to get into that Um, we have to get into a lot of stuff (laughs) Yeah. Before, before we get too into the movie though I think the conversation of extended versions is interesting yeah what is the best extended version of a film that you guys have seen that changes the film completely.
1: Oh, man. I have my answer right... Go for You it. do it. You do it. Suicide Squad. Okay. Because even though I never saw the theatrical cut, I saw the extended cut, and then what you... And then... Uh, and we did a podcast on this. And we did. He, mm-hmm. And people can go back and hear my reaction, because you explained to me what they cut out, like what I saw, and I couldn't believe it. They are like... Why would they do that? That completely sets up her character.
2: And I think we, I think we had this conversation during the Suicide Squad episode. Yeah, well, we could. We I remember, I remember talking about Batman v Superman, which was going to be my example, because the extended cut of that is so much better. Um, but instead, I'm going to talk again about Kate and Leopold's director's cut <laughs> and how that completely changes the movie and makes it way, 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 way creepier.
3: It makes it creepier.
2: Meg Ryan and her first boyfriend in the movie are kind of ans- like, kind of related. Oh, what? Yeah, so Ooh. that's the creepiness. I thought, I th- I thought it was
1: that Leopold was like her great 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 grandfather or something, no. and she pulled a f- she, uh, um, a fry.
2: <laughs> if I remember right, she is like so. Leah Schreiber is related to Hugh Jackman's character from the past. Okay. But at the end of the movie, May- spoilers for Kate and Leopold. At the end of the movie, Kate goes back to beat with Leopold. So, mm-hmm. in theory, since Leah Schreiber and Meg Ryan were um, checking each other's email, mm-hmm. uh, hmm. they um, <laughs> they were committing incest because she would be his great great grandmother.
1: Oh, okay. So he pulled the Philip J. Fry. <sighs> <laughs>
2: kind of yeah
1: i like
3: that though
2: yeah devin just come up with one
3: yeah i'm torn between two so i'm torn between um apocalypse now which adds 49 minutes to the movie some of it gets a little tedious and i can see why it's cut but some of it i really like uh and i'm just a sucker for the extended cut of Watchmen.
2: okay Um,
3: which makes me super hopeful for the snyder cut
2: when you say extended cut, do you mean the director's cut or yeah. like the one where they put in Black Freighter and all of that? No, the,
3: I meant the director's cut. I okay. I don't think I've seen the extended cut that you're talking
2: about. Yeah, there, there's an ultimate cut where they put everything in and it's very true to the book. Oh, that's pretty cool. I gonna mm-hmm. have to watch I, I Yeah, I'll, I, I want to check that one out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I need to finish reading The Watchmen, though. I have to oh. say
1: the on the reverse end of this conversation, though, and I am in a very, 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 very small camp on this. I actually mm-hmm. prefer the theatrical version of the original Blade Runner movie. Most people, I was gonna bring that one up. Yeah, really with most, a narration. Yes. Wow. Because there's too much dead space in like the new version or like on like the third different cut they have on it now. Like there's too much silence for me. And I and I love like I'm not really a big fan of the whole like inner monologue detective like thing. But I liked it in Blade Runner because it was like a futuristic telling of it. Like it was a 1930s detective stuck in, you know, the far future. And I thought that was a cool concept. And then they changed it, and I don't like it. (laughs) Do they
3: do the unicorn thing, though? I don't remember. Because the unicorn thing makes it for me. Whatever version that's in, I'm all about. If you leave out the unicorn for me, it doesn't make sense. That's what I think.
2: Okay. Yeah, that's it. (laughs) All right, so... This is definitely a conversation we've had before. I know it is. I'm having
1: deja vu here. It is, but I've been able to figure out what version of the movie i like that's the difference i never knew I'm not, what, I'm i never not even, knew what, what edition it was
2: i'm not even talking about blade runner just everything we just talked about for the last three minutes we've definitely <laughs> covered on the show good um,
3: not mad about it so yeah. pivoting hard back to stripes i didn't i never got like your comments on this even like before when we did this like the first time what did you guys think
2: I was gonna say, I think we covered everything we got through the first time we tried doing this. Episode. We didn't last
1: very long at all.
2: No, it was like foot fifteen so. minutes. Well, Ryan has seen it before, mm-hmm. and I had it, so <laughs> I'll take I'll take that question. Yeah, yeah. Go for I it. enjoyed it. Yeah, yes, um, I'm so happy. This is one that this is one that I had seen before on TBS, but I was like, something's weird about this. and I don't mm-hmm. think I'm getting the full extent of this movie. Yeah. So I always held off on it. Mm-hmm. And now I know why. <laughs> uh, and if you, I like gun to my head. If you, if you were to ask me what like the most provocative scene in, is in this movie, I would have never guessed John Candy mud wrestling with a bunch of women.
3: No, no, me um, neither. A bunch of topless. I enjoyed.
2: Women. <laughs> yeah, um, I was looking at their eyes, Ryan. Whatever. Uh, <laughs> But no, I enjoyed it. I I like Bill Murray. I like um, Harold Ramis. Mm. I like Ivan Reitman. Uh, it was nice to see something before Ghostbusters that they did because I still haven't seen Meatballs either. Oh, I haven't either. Um, it was weird though having the realization in the beginning of the film where Bill Murray's like, by the time I'm thirty, I'm like, oh my god, Bill Murray's supposed to be younger than thirty in this, and we <laughs> I did the math. He's thirty one when he filmed. Oh, this, he is absolutely playing, he is playing a guy in his twenties. Like, oh god why does he why does he look so old <laughs> like what was in the water back then everyone just looks so much older than they, like we do <laughs> i mean it's
3: true because he's like even in some of the shots where like he's supposed to be like looking good he's got like
1: thinning hair and like just looks
3: rough like poor bill
1: i mean th- 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 there's also people out there that i mean they start to lose their hair at 25
2: well, I think part of it has to do with the world that they lived in True. in the 60s and 70s cuz you know the 60s I don't know if you guys know about this there were a lot of drugs what uh, and then the 70s there were still some drugs <laughs> they never uh, went away the, and then on top of that everyone was smoking so
3: yeah i mean that's a good point and it was just like accepted back then
2: too like of course and, you smoked. and asbestos and um, lead leaded paint mm-hmm. good points um, good points <laughs> Richard Nixon is president. Like A lot of stuff. <laughs>
3: a, lot of, a lot of stress. So what – okay. So is there any particular moment then? So Ryan, I think I, – I don't want to jump over your question. Did you like the movie?
1: Oh, I love this movie. Okay. I don't watch it as much as I used to because I've seen it so much, but it's mm-hmm. it, it's fun. Like it, This is one of my feel-good movies. So, So what about it then kind of drew you guys to it?
3: Um, or like made you like it. And I'll kind of answer the question since I sprung it on you. I think I like the movie best because I just like the dynamic that Bill Murray has with anyone he's in a scene with. Like no matter what, like the tension is, what the relationship is. I just like watching him be Bill Murray in different settings, even though I might want to bring this up a little later, but he might also just be the villain of the movie. (laughs) Um, what about you? What did you guys like about it?
2: Like, I said this before about Bill Murray and Harold Ramis. It was nice seeing a lot of these people at the beginning of their careers. Mm. Because besides those two, you have John Candy, you have Judge Reinhold, and you have John Larroquette. Mm-hmm. Which are all guys that you see in various things after this. Uh, whether it's Night Court, or the Santa Claus, or Arrested Development. Um, like <laughs> These are... This is like where they all kind of got their start, and it's nice they like, have this starting point for all of them, and like how their like how their careers changed from this movie on. Like, I never thought I'd see John Candy make a racist joke, <laughs> but <laughs> his character's very racist in this, and it's just <laughs> like it is what it is. Like, it's cringy now, but like it's it's what that character was, and you could get away with that in the early '80s. Ryan, what drew you to the movie?
1: Well, uh, when I was younger, when I first started like watching this, it was just the fact that it was like, it was the guy from Ghostbusters and it's the guy from the great outdoors and you know, like that. But then as I got older, I got into high school, I just found it to be like a funny, ha, let's make fun of the army type movie. Um that's when I was like in middle school. And then when I got into high school, it was more of like appreciating the humor of it, of uh of bill murray and harold Ramis and john candy and bill murray's you know like Devin, just kind of like how you said like his like relationship with each character and how that kind of Mm. evolves and everything and um and some of the other humor that's a bit more crude i you know i enjoy in it i find it funny i mean in high school one of one of my favorite comedies was porkies which is very which is probably very controversial at this point so i mean i'm a fan of crude humor so you know but at the same time it's just humor and i understand that so you know that there's a line there well that's the one thing
3: is that like humor or comedy movies i think are the first movies to start to show their age like faster than really any other genre because what's an acceptable joke at one time just stops being an acceptable joke or what's kind of colloquially funny just stops being that after a couple of years. And yeah, I think a good example is like when, Oh man, do you remember when like super bad came out and like super bad revolutionized the comedy field and every right. And everyone was doing super bad. And then like, I think good boys came out not too long ago. And like, I don't think anyone cared about good boys.
2: Uh yeah, Good Boys came out last year, also produced by Seth Rogen. Um and it also seemed like similar format though, right? Like Yeah, I mean, but younger? Yeah, weirdly. I don't know if I like that. Yeah. I haven't seen it. Um Like I think just making kid, little kids say like the seven words you can't say on television is only funny for like a minute maybe. Yeah. And I don't need to see a whole, like, Hit Girl in Kick-Ass. Like, she says motherfucker a few times.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And if they were to push it a little bit more, it would have taken away from it. Sure. I feel like they had a good balance of it, because it made sense for that character. Mm-hmm. To have them do it just to do it for adult entertainment, like, it's just kind of, it feels dirty.
1: Right. Uh, that, and there's a reason why, like, comedians who get into directing and producing there's a reason why they kind of have a shelf life because i mean look at um oh crap i forgot his name uh mr deeds uh adam sandler Sandler. Sandler. i mean look at his career he did a few movies as the star and then he started getting behind the camera and his shelf life was what maybe like 10 years seven years and then and then he started to become kind of redundant because then, like Seth Rogen's class of comedians came along, and now the same thing's happening to them, and it's just gonna keep on recycling. And I feel that's probably part of it. It's just like there's jokes in this movie that are not just outdated because of their references are completely outdated, but culturally the references are hugely outdated. So, and
2: I, I feel like I feel like you touched on something important there because Adam Sandler's movies stayed the same for a while but then he took a drastic turn into drama mm-hmm. with uh rain over me and then last year with uncut gems and you can definitely say the same thing about bill murray like yeah. i think the last straight comedy he was in that i saw was "Zombieland," and he was playing himself
1: right i don't know if that one even counts mm. um
2: well i mean i'm counting
1: it that <laughs> i also mean like the fact like he did what like those family vacation movies where it was him and a bunch of other actors, where they were like at a resort or something, and they made like
2: two or three yeah. of them. No, Adam Sandler yeah. has definitely found his niche. Yeah, yeah. no, 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 I he think, definitely has. Bill, and I think Bill Murray has too, two, working with uh, Wes Anderson. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. And doing the rt type films. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the last comedy that Bill Murray was actually in was the dead don't die which i heard horrible things about from my father-in-law <laughs> really
3: because that looks so cool because it's like him and adam driver in it and like
2: him adam driver uh, steve buscemi danny glover to be honest uh, it wow. looks iffy really it looks it like looks my dreamcast
1: yeah no no okay so here's the thing you and i'm whatever it, do it you see a bunch of names uh-huh. that you like and go Awesome. I'm going to love this. And that's what happened to you at movie 43. Oh yeah. I don't care. Like there could be a movie with Denzel Washington and Russell Crowe and Arnold Schwarzenegger and a bunch of other people that I really, 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 really really like in movies. And it could be a natural disaster movie that has to do with a secret government conspiracy plot, like a Jack Ryan thing, totally up my alley And if it doesn't look right, I don't I'm not going to have any interest in it. Good. So, I mean, that's one of those things where it's like I saw it and I'm like, this kind of looks like a twist on like Moonshine Kingdom, but with zombies. Like that was the feeling I got.
3: That's super interesting. I like that. Like a Wes Anderson zombie movie.
1: Yeah. And it's not that I don't like Wes Anderson. It was just I was like, I'm going to wait until this is like on Netflix or something. (laughs) So.
3: That's awesome. So I do want to know though. So Bill Murray is like considered like one of the greatest like comedians of like his time. Like does his comedic styling still hold up? So if we were to make, you know, less problematic stripes starring a younger Bill Murray today, would that movie do well? Or would it just be like comedy pandering and would kind of flop at the box office? Because I think it would flop. Like I don't want to be weird about it, but I don't know if that format of comedy fits anymore, even if such a powerhouse in it.
2: Comedy is really hard to get people to go to the movies for. Yeah. Even even outside of a pandemic, um, people are less inclined to go to the spend twenty dollars a piece to go to the movies, to just sit there and laugh when they can, like like a movie like, uh, let's say Trainwreck, which is just coming to mind. Um, You go to the theaters to see that you get you maybe get benefit from seeing it with a crowd, but you're not really getting anything out of the surround sound experience. There's not many explosions. Like there's no real draw to come, go see that opening weekend in the theater. If it was on Netflix, like, oh yeah, I, I like the people in that movie. Let's, let's watch that. Like I could use a laugh. Like it's more, it's easier to get people to watch a comedy at home than it is to get them into the theater to, to go see. Yeah,
1: Unless there's a, like a little caveat with it. And I'll Mm -hmm. give the example of the movie Get Smart, how it's a comedy based off an old TV show that a lot of people admire.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: And as as long as it's done right, those movies can be successful and have a low budget
2: in the, the problem and I think the exception with Get Smart there is that's more of a franchise film because you have the spy aspect right. to that oh so yeah making fun of so there is a draw to go see that in the theater like it has The Rock in yeah what was it 2006 and that's why I said yeah.
1: that it's uh, where when he it, was just a pebble yeah Aww. where where <laughs> th- 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 that's why I said like a comedy that has a little caveat with it like something else like yeah. some other genre yeah. niche with it to make it better like like let's say like a comedy sports movie that would mm-hmm. probably do better like any kind of comedy sports movie would do better than a modern version of stripes in yeah. in theaters um,
2: yeah and I think even Ghostbusters is kind of hard to pull off now mm-hmm. right? um, which we're supposed to get another one next year yeah I think it was I think it was supposed to come out this year I think right? we we're I think yeah. we we're supposed
1: to have seen it already I think it was summer this year and I, God,
2: I don't uh, really even
3: know
1: I feel like the only reason why that movie will will be will make any decent amount of money is because of the history with the films. And that's it.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: Like, that's the reason I also
2: also think the fact that you have Jason Reitman directing it, who's the son of Ivan Reitman, who's in his own right, has his own directing career and has built a career away from his father and hasn't touched anything his father's done before, Mm -hmm. having him come back to the family franchise... I think it's promising.
3: Yeah. It's kind of cool. I mean, I just, I don't love that they don't acknowledge the last movie and they were like, eh, it didn't happen. Like, I think that's something, a little something
2: s- Something, something multiverse. Like, that's, that seems to be everyone's key to everything now. Like true. reboot everything and call it a multiverse. Ugh.
3: Gross. Are, the, are any um, of the old cast going to be in this one? Because I know they were in the old. Yes. Oh, they are? Yeah. That's cool. I
2: All think, right. I think everyone except for Rick Moranis. Okay. Yeah. so
3: That's pretty cool. We'll eh? um, so the one thing I w- did want to know is like, I don't remember a lot or can't off the top of my head, think of a lot of comedies that fit. So I was talking about comedy niches. So if you were to do like a comedy sports movie, that specific niche, are there any recent comedy army movies like this? So
2: I was thinking about yeah. this and I was racking my brain to try to come up with the last one that I saw in theaters. Mm-hmm. And the closest one I could come up with is Tropic Thunder. Oh boy, and that was twelve years ago. Wow! The, when the
1: uh, when the concept of a movie like a military movie comedy comes up, the only thing I can think of is "See Me in the Army Now."
3: But isn't that old too? Like, isn't that That's like
1: old? That's nineties. Yeah, like that's, I mean, it's definitely after stripes, but it's also not. I think the fact that we've been in perpetual wars since 2002 kind of makes it difficult to make a comedy because everything that has to do with war, like a legit war drama or war movie. Is either based in a sci-fi realm like Battle Los Angeles because that takes like our now soldiers against aliens, mm-hmm. um, or it's a drama like Hurt Locker, American, uh, um, or American Sniper. Like you, you, you don't. It, this is not the right time to make a comedy about the army. To be yeah. perfectly honest.
2: <laughs> so when I was thinking about this, I came up with the, with two answers. Yeah, Tropic Thunder, which I think is kind of a cheat because it's more of a movie. Behind, behind the scenes of a movie right. type thing the only other thing i could think of that actually took place in the military was a 2007 film with uh larry the cable guy called delta farce oh, no. <laughs> oh that's um oh
1: wait a minute yeah, there's it's... one more oh i'm sorry it's that's Larry the to be cable funny.
2: guy no exactly uh, that, that's but... what i'm thought yeah i I'm it's Larry the Cable Guy, <laughs> Barry. It's Larry the Cable Guy, Bill Engvall, and DJ Quails. <laughs> wow. Yeah. It is. It has a 3.6 on IMDb. Wow. And luckily, it's only an hour and a half
0: long.
3: That's too you long. You know what? You know what? You reminded me. I think there's another one. It's uh, with Tina Fey. It's Whiskey Tango Foxtrot.
2: I think that's more of a journalism thing. though. Oh, is it really? Like, it's, yeah. She's not in the, she's not in the military. Oh, uh, I think, I think she's like journalist over there.
3: Got it. Okay. So, oh man, Larry, the cable guy was the last one to do it then. Huh? Yeah. Oh no. Yeah.
2: I got to read the description for this movie. Okay. Three bumbling army reservists bound for Iraq are accidentally dropped at a Mexican village besieged by hostile forces. Oh, no, I hate it. (laughs)
3: Alan, stop.
2: Okay, so speaking of that, that sounds
1: like the one deleted scene that I'm very happy that they cut out of the film. Oh, really? Yeah, okay, so to bring it back to Stripes, Mm -hmm. uh, the nine-minute deleted scene they cut from Stripes um, happens right at the end of, of the training montage at boot camp. So... Bill Murray comes in from doing push-ups, and Harold Ramis turns around with broken glasses and is, and is being extremely sarcastic about how great his day is and ends it with grabbing Bill Murray and saying, get me out of here now. And so the next scene cuts to them in civilian clothes, getting on an army transport plane, trying to like escape, go AWOL, which makes no sense. Sure. So they're in the plane and a bunch of like red beret commandos with face paint come into the plane and fill it up and they're all staring at them because these two guys are in civilian clothes and mm-hmm. they bs their way to the commander to let them stay on the plane like they bs their way through and they fall asleep and wake up with parachutes on and they get thrown out of out of the plane with the rest of the like commandos and they land somewhere with guys speaking spanish and 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 at that point, I started fast forwarding because I was like, this is (laughs) dumb. This is not feel right. Um, And they're around the campfire and talking and everything looks fine. And then all of a sudden they get pinned to a tree and then they escape. And then they wind back up at an airfield at the same exact time. The commandos are getting back on and they fly back to the base with no explanation, I think, of where they went and then coming back. And then there's a scene after the deleted Part where the uh, uh, drill instructor comes in and says, I heard that, you know, people left without permission. And I remember then that. That's, yeah, so that's that's what he's talking about. Oh, uh, okay. That makes sense. So I've never understood that because, like, the transition was kind of weird watching this movie forever and seeing that, being like, mm-hmm. who, who left and when? Right. <laughs> Why did like, they go? Yeah, so um i think they might have tried to work in the the bar scene but i don't really remember um so i was
3: doing research about the extended cut because it's a whole 18 minutes of film and if it makes you feel any better at all ryan that scene that you described uh columbia pictures said it was the best scene in the whole movie and the director went no i'm cutting it and cut it despite columbia wanting them to keep it
1: Good, because it was awful. Because, I mean, like, the entire movie is based, like, it's, com- to me, for being the kind of movie it is, everything was kind of believable. Because it was Bill Murray, I mean, John can't. they accepted John Candy into basic training. Right. That would never happen. But anyway, right. so for John Candy being accepted into boot camp, it, the, the, there was a base of realism to a point. And then this scene happens, and it felt more see me in the uh, see me in the army now type of comedic ridiculousness and not sure. Bill Murray ridiculousness. Mm-hmm. Like it
3: didn't fit. Yeah, I can see that. I mean, cause it just, it doesn't seem like it fits the tone. I mean, you're right. I think probably the most farcical thing to happen. I mean, there was the whole like running gag of like, I don't know, running gag, but like where they kept like blowing people out of towers. <laughs> like, and they like blew the drill instructor out of a tower. Like, yeah. I don't know that. I don't know. I, I didn't think that was too, like, that believable. Was the but limit. it wasn't. Yeah. Yeah, that was, like, the limit of the movie. So what did you guys think of him? What did you think of Hulka? Because I feel like the movie tried to set Hulka up as, like, the bad guy that gets a redemption. Because, like, he doesn't like Bill Murray, so you're not supposed to like him. I liked Hulka the whole time.
2: It feels a lot. The whole di- Their whole dynamic felt a lot like Police Academy to me. Okay. Which I feel like Police Academy just ripped off because it's Police Academy. I've never seen it, so. Oh. You've never seen any of the 20? There's 20 of them? <laughs> there's not 20. There's like eight. Oh, it's still too t- many. It feels um, like 20. It feels like Yeah. That. Steve Gutenberg wishes there were 20. Oh, he oh, does. Um, no, so I think just having seen Police Academy before this, like it, it just kind of felt like a ripoff. Mm. But. Police academy is a ripoff, obviously, because this came out a few years before it. Right, um, and like the, the whole trope of drill sergeant doesn't like the rebel and the in the crew is like done to death in these kind of things. Right, most mostly because of like uh, police academy mm-hmm. and like Cadet Kelly, like. You didn't expect a Disney Channel. Original no, movie I was, was like, hold on, Ninja. is that the right one? Uh,
3: you had no problem with him. You kind of knew where it was going and expected it. Yeah,
2: I knew it. It, it felt f- formula. It felt like something I had seen before, so I wasn't too surprised by it. Yeah, Ryan, did you like Hulka? I,
1: I honestly like everybody in this. <laughs> so I mean, yeah. I mean, my thing is that this movie came out. You said in '81. Yeah. Full Metal Jacket came out in '87. Oh, and I never I always thought Full Metal Jacket came out before this for some reason up until now, because I just looked it up because I was going to be like, oh, yeah, no, there's a connection here. I'm like, no, there's like a seven year difference between these two movies. <laughs> and Stripes came out first. Um, but I always thought that he was trying to do like the Harley, uh, the har. har- I, I always think I'm getting his name wrong. Um R Lee Jones, the drill instructor, Harley Harley Ermey, there we go. Yeah, I always feel like he was trying to go for him, but because Full Metal Jacket came out in 87 and this came out in 81, obviously that's not the case. So he must have gotten or talked to some drill sergeants to like get how they do things a little bit, because he came off kind of I mean, for being a Bill Murray movie, he came off kind of believable. And it was good to have that, you know, that force like yelling at them to like, you know, be like, hey, look, it's like, yes, this is a comedy, but this is boot camp. Like, you know, these people are suffering.
3: (laughs) Well, as like as weird as this sounds for a movie that basically makes fun of the army for a while, they had really like a good relationship with the army with this movie. Like they had real people consulting from the army and Harold Ramis and Bill Murray actually planned on doing two weeks uh, in basic uh, basic or a boot camp with the Army just to prepare for this uh, they got through two days in case you were wondering they didn't get through <laughs> the two weeks but um that was the plan for it, but it had a lot of input from the Army on it despite it like showing it as such like a farce yeah which I thought was cool.
1: They're uh, one of the early deleted scenes like okay so so with the movie opens with with a commercial <clears throat> for yeah. the army and Bill Murray's staring at it. And then the first uh, the first extended scene and obviously the most outdated conversation <laughs> they have. Yeah. Best way to uh, racist conversation. Um, mm-hmm they have is the very first deleted scene where Bill Murray is talking to Harold Ramis after his girlfriend leaves and Bill Murray brings up the army and Mm -hmm. it's after Harold Ramis throws the money on his chest after doing the pushups. Oh yeah. That conversation goes on for like another three minutes and he's talking about the military and you know, like how they can do this and how they can get a Winnebago and you know, uh, the racist part comes in because he's talking about women from an island nation. Oh, and he says some pretty bad things. Um, but like, it's, it's just like the conversation doesn't fit. Like the, yeah. the, the movie feels like it needed to be edited to make it feel like it kept on flowing. And the yeah. scenes that were cut out dragged the movie. Like it was like, it was quick scene, quick scene, quick scene let's have a heart to heart and then quick scene, quick scene, quick scene.
2: And then, yeah. And I wonder how much of that was actually improvised on set because it, I feel like yeah. a lot of that, like a lot of those extended scenes were probably just them
3: like going of
2: each other e- because yeah. these are all guys from SCTV mm-hmm. who have like a comedy background. So they're just going to riff on each other for as long as they can until the film runs out probably. And I, so and, De- yeah. Devin, I saw your face light up when I said improvised. <laughs>
3: Yeah, I know at least a couple of the major improv se- improvised scenes, because some of this was improvised. You guys are right. Like, they just kind of let them go a lot. Um, one of the big ones was when they were all sitting around Hulka uh, coming up with their backstories. Every one of those backstories and the big toe speech completely improvised. And if huh. you watch, you can even watch Hulka break in the middle of one of the stories because he doesn't know what's coming up. But my favorite improvised scene, and I have to tell you about this, is the haircut scene where they shave their heads. They were told when they signed up, we're going to put you in a bald cap and it's going to be fake until they showed up on set that day and Uh. shaved their heads for real. And John Candy (laughs) got really upset about it, which is why his character is so sad and holding his hair, because that was his real reaction to getting his head shaved.
2: So, my favorite part of that scene was Harold Ramis coming out with, like, a trim and just going, Hava (laughs) Nagila. I was like, why didn't he get his haircut? And then he started doing this, like, oh, that makes sense. (laughs) I mean, I don't understand it, but okay.
1: I get it, yeah. Yeah, see... I always thought it was a circumcision joke to John Candy because he lost all of his hair and he's kind of a heavier guy. So Uh, I thought it was like a dickhead joke. So like that's what I thought it always was. So then I was watching it this time and I'm like, so I like. I don't know how to spell that, so I was using like Google Voice, so I was saying it, and 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 I was like, no, no, that's not right. So I must have tried to repeat what he was singing like five or six times, and each time I got a different result, and I got I got a town, I got food, I got all this other stuff, but I never got what he was saying.
2: Ryan. And, of course, the of course the DVD was so bad, you couldn't even put on the subtitles to type it out. Also, Ryan, I've... the next
3: time you decide to, to voice to text uh, Yiddish or yeah. a Hebrew into your phone, please record it and send it to us. Just for me, I need it. You did touch on, on one of the extended scenes being a little bit off and a little racist, and I feel like we would be a little remiss if we didn't talk about this quick. Yeah, What scene... There had to have been a scene for each one of you that was like, okay, that's the line for me. Uh, was there that scene for you? And if so, what? And if you want, I can start. Uh,
2: you go ahead and start. Yeah.
3: Awkwardly enough. So, I mean, the John Candy scene in the in the mud was one of them. But oddly enough, the Aunt Jemima treatment scene, which was also improvised, just felt weird to me. I like how like both pairs of women kept saying no but then they were like, ah, you love me. Let me stick this spatula under your butt. Like, I didn't, <laughs> for some reason, I just, like, didn't like the tone of that scene at all.
2: I think for me, the the most jarring scene was when they were training in the warehouse at night. Mm-hmm. And John Candy just yells at the guy next to him. Yeah, And it's like, okay, Uncle Buck, uh-huh. bring <laughs> down the racism just a bit. Because um, you got to share your plane, trains, and automobiles.
3: Oh well done!
1: Oof.
2: Yeah, yeah. So. You got to be cool and run with it.
3: Cool. Oh man, that was that was a stretch, but you got there.
1: So my thing when they're in the warehouse that made me cringe when he like flipped the rifle over his shoulder and said and, and said and said and said what he said. Um, for me though, it was kind of the misogynist stuff. And the only thing that really got me was the commander staring into the women's barracks (sighs) when they were showering. And which is really some, which is really telling for me because like I said, when I was in high school, one of my favorite comedies was Porky's. And if anybody's Mm. ever seen that movie, you know, one of the more infamous scenes from that movie is, and it's the same exact thing. And that makes me cringe. Like I was like, eh, like this was funny when I was in high school, but it's not that funny anymore. Um, But at the same time, he also got called out on it and he broke his window and he didn't get called out for it exactly. But he got humiliated. So like right after that happened. Um, But to me, the worst stuff in this was cut out in the scenes that are in the extended cut.
3: Kind of glad I didn't watch it now. Like that sounds like it would almost ruin the movie
1: for me a little bit. Oh, no, there's a line that like I have a feeling you would not like Bill Murray's character like going forward after he said what he said.
3: All right. Let's talk about Bill Murray's character then. Cause I, I like him cause he's silly. I had a hard time liking him as a person. Like, mm. I feel like if Devin ran into Bill Murray's character in this, I would not be friends with him. Like even from scene one, he's like yelling and being an awful person to a lady in a cab. It's hilarious, but he's mean to her. And he's just kind of that the whole time.
2: Okay. At the... here's a hot. Here's a hot, here's a hot take. Okay. Isn't that every Bill Murray character though? Vagman's the same way. Uh, Garfield's the same way. Garf- uh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, even Groundhog's Day. His character's not likable until he goes through the thousands and thousands of years of living the same day over and over.
3: But what about Osmosis Jones?
2: I mean, he's a slob in that. So I I almost brought that. i so you like, so... almost did. <laughs>
1: OK, so to oh. yeah, and see, to me, Bill Murray's character, he plays almost the same thing in every movie, and that's because he's supposed to be the silly, arrogant jerk that you can laugh at from afar because he's mm-hmm. not directed at you, because what he says is funny and what he does is funny. But if it's at you, it's not. And but personally, though, that lady in the cab deserved everything she got. I mean, okay, oh, yeah. So you can be mad at him for being mean to the old lady, but she deserved everything that he did. So I'm just going to put that out there. But, oh no, totally. I mean, if it wasn't for him, like, let's see, let's see, he snakes his friend into the military with him. Everything he does causes pain. And it only works out twice. Once at graduation and twice with the armored RV going into Czechoslovakia and then back
3: which like almost didn't like okay so that ending i feel like shouldn't have worked out in a real life scenario because like his friends and like his platoon wouldn't have been in the situation they were in if it weren't for them stealing it and sure they did save the day but they like committed war
1: crimes and like oh uh, no it's against russia nobody cares yeah <laughs>
2: <laughs> it was the eighties. I mean, that's it true. was the
1: early eighties. It was towards the end of the height of the Cold War. Like,
2: it's about the only thing from this movie that would still carry over to today—the
1: Russia thing. Yeah. yeah. All right, now, I can see that. Okay, so at the ending, um, they show how like where everybody ends up, and like the news reports and everything, and yep. they show that the blonde Bill Mary uh, Bill Bill Mary Bill Murray's <laughs> girlfriend does Penthouse.
3: Yeah, that's right. Mm -hmm.
1: And it's kind of out of the blue because, like, yeah, like, you know, she's probably, you know, she's his love interest. He's the main character. But, like, Penthouse, like, that comes out of nowhere. When you watch the extended version, it makes sense. She is the only one out of the the two MPs that they show. (laughs) Oh. They cut out a scene in Germany where they have, like, an, and it's supposed to be, like, a romantic sex scene, but nothing happens, but she's in her underwear topless for, like, the entire four minutes that they're talking. So it's all, and it's all full frontal, and it, it, it there's no point to the scene as why they cut it. Mm-hmm. Um But funny enough, it's the same bedroom that they show that they were in in the general's house, so they must have been some editing fun.
3: <laughs> With we'll that they, like, enter the general's bedroom and, like, leave in Germany and then, like, walk out the hall into that general's bedroom. It's yeah. so weird.
2: It's a magic door. Yeah.
3: <laughs> so, so yeah. Apparently there was a scene that happened like that, too, that I didn't catch, but IMDB sure did. There was a scene where Bill Murray had a book bag and he was, like, laying on the ground and the book bag kept appearing and disappearing and reappearing in the scene. Like, just depending on what shot it was, which I thought was really funny, but also kind of seemed like par for the course for this movie with like, yeah, they just threw a scene from over here into over here and they just made it work, which I mean, I'm sure is most movies, but it's just funny and obvious in this one.
1: This to me is just your typical, like, cheap Hollywood comedy. Like, there's going to be goofs, but nobody cares because of the type of movie it is. It's just like a silly, like a silly thing. Yeah, yeah. All right. So, did you guys have any favorite bits then in the
3: in the movie? Because my favorite was the basketball one in the very beginning, where he throws the basketball out the window, <laughs> spends time to clear a, a, like a space for them to throw it back, and they throw it in another window.
2: That that was a good one for me. I think my favorite, the one that sticks, comes to mind, is right after that when they go to the recruiter's office. it's like, "Are either of you homos- homosexuals?" <laughs> And he's like, "No, but we're willing to learn." <laughs> <laughs> like, I just wasn't expecting that from an '80s movie. So, or what else? is It, it
3: said something like, um, "Have you ever been convicted?" And like, con- "Convicted? No, never, never convicted. Yeah. Never,
1: convicted. <laughs> never convicted. Never convicted." You're like, "Now, like this that. next question, I know, oh, is okay. kind of personal." I like, <laughs> "That um, since since Alan stole mine, I uh-huh. hey." I can actually say that for the first time now, since <laughs> <laughs> since Alan stole mine, I've 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 got to go with John Candy's introduction to the movie. Yes. When he walks by the MPs and he goes, oh, stewardess, is there a movie on this flight? And then he laughs at himself. And like on this <laughs> flight because he's clearly making a joke at the fact that they call bus travels flights like they do airlines. And that's what he's making fun of. And I just find it funny. Devin, did you not know that?
3: I learned something about bus travel today.
1: I think it's Greyhound. And there's another one that I know for certain because I've done the whole busing thing instead of flying when I was Uh in Scouts. And they're called flights. Like, it's (laughs) called a flight. Like so weird. So it's one of those things where it was like my dad told me that because when I was a kid, like I was like, what's so funny. They're, they're going on a bus. And my dad laughed and he was like, no, did th- they call it a flight whenever you use a bus? And I'm like, what? <laughs> <That's> <laughs> whenever so you use weird. a bus commercially, they call it a flight.
0: <laughs> Ew. All
3: right. So I have two more questions. Then last second to last one is who's your favorite non Bill Murray character. Cause it's easier. And Harold Ramis doesn't count either. Like they're obviously the leads. They're the ones that like anchor the movie, but like who, like what side character did you like the most?
1: It's the uh, their what, Colonel or the guy that the peeping Tom. Oh, that guy. Kind of yeah. Mainly because he ends up in uh, Alaska or the South Pole or something. And yeah. Like, that's like because he's playing like the bumbling idiot. Mm-hmm. and they're making fun of like, you know, like the higher people in charge and that i i i find that funny. I I, I love that. So, he does it well. Mhm.
2: For me, it was Judge Reinhold as Elmo. I need to look him up. What, what does he uh, do? He, he's the stoner. He's the one who's like, "Oh, can yeah. you take this for me, man?" <laughs> he's like, "You know they got a stri- they strip search you before you get on the bus." Oh no. <laughs> like <laughs> Just the fact that he's stoned the whole time throughout this film is hysterical to me. I do.
3: Like somehow in the army, he still like manages to be roughly stoned. Yeah. I do like that. Oh, is it? There's yeah. um, and some,
2: some. And I was getting like weird Jason Siegel vibes off of him too. Yeah, so. absolutely.
1: Yeah. That's one of the things. Every time I watch this movie and it gets to his character, I always feel like I'm like that. I'm like this. I was like this This guy is reminding me of somebody, but the person that he's reminding me of, who I really think this is, is not this old. I think my favorite just is Hulka, just because of like,
3: I I like his interactions with Bill Murray. I like that he's a character foil to Bill Murray. And I just I, I think I just like him as a like I like the scene, especially at the end where like he's like trying to like sneak commando his way into like the base and they just like drive a truck in. And like he's trying so hard and they're just like, whatever, we did it. And then he rides out with them. Yeah. I like that. I don't know. I like that. Like that plot a lot where like he tries
1: way too hard. He tries to do everything right. And exactly. And and they're just doing everything wrong. Like Bill Murray's in the Russian uniform, like shaking people's hands and handing out bottles of vodka to get back to the (laughs) RV. (laughs)
3: Hey, it's the new army, man. Hulk won't get it. (laughs) Yeah. All right. So then my last question is top three Bill Murray movies. Mm -hmm. I know this is a tough one. I can go first if you want. I think in no particular order, because I tried and I keep changing them. Ghostbusters one, this movie and the life Aquatica.
1: Ghostbusters two. Interesting. Okay. Groundhog's Day and Larger Than Life.
2: Do I know that one?
1: You guys don't... Alan, please tell me you know that one.
2: It sounds familiar. Hold on.
1: Oh, no. We're looking it up. Oh, Oh, it's
2: the Bill Murray elephant movie? It's the Bill Murray elephant (laughs) movie. (laughs) I forgot about that one. I feel like I saw that a long time ago. So I'm really tempted to just pick three really bad movies, but... Garfield, Garfield 2, Garfield again. (laughs) Charlie's Angels. I forgot Uh, he was in that one. No, I'm gonna go Scrooged. Nice. W- what about Bob and Space Jam? Just to change it up a bit. I was Great pick. To... Da, 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 da. <laughs> I was about it saves yeah. the day. He does. He saves the day in yeah. Space Jam. If he doesn't save the day in Space Jam too, fuck that movie.
1: <laughs> <laughs> he really should though. If nobody was gonna say Space Jam, I was gonna have bring that up as like my runner-up because like he's not like he's critical to the movie, but he's not in it like as much as everybody else's. So like, that's, you know, yeah. With large, with larger than life. It's him trying to drive a semi truck with the uh, cab extended, which is really funny.
3: (laughs) I don't remember that.
1: It's, oh, it, it, it's funny. It's, I mean, I'm going to have to rewatch it. Yeah. No, larger than life is fun. So I feel like one of the movies,
3: the Bill Murray movies I should watch is lost in translation. Is it any good? I haven't seen it. No, Ryan, of you? No, it seems like his version of eternal sunshine of the spotless mind. But I don't know. And I don't like want
1: it to like ruin Bill Murray for me, if that's weird, which at the same time, I'm not really a fan of the whole, like the concept with the spotless mind thing. Like, I, 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 like, I get it. I do. It just, to me, it's like, okay, cool. I don't have to watch this again. (laughs) again.
3: (laughs) For me, that falls under the category of like the whole like manic pixie dream girl will solve all of your problems slash make you angry. And I don't know if that's what the movie's about. I don't know if it's what either movie's about, but it makes me feel like that's what both movies are about. And I don't want to watch them because of that.
2: Well, I think we might have to do Lost in Translation. Okay. You've seen it? I haven't seen it, but I feel like if none of us have seen it, we should do it. We probably should. Because Bill Murray and Sofia Coppola, the director have a new movie coming out next next month called on the rocks with bill murray and rashida jones really yeah so
3: oh that's really cool i'm excited about that
2: we'll have to do the movie yeah so i think that'll we'll do a tie-in for that week oh that'll be cool and it looks like it's gonna be on apple tv plus so we'll we'll have to all get together and watch that we're going to (laughs) yeah so cool i
3: think that's all i have for for striped i mean i love it it's It's a fun movie. It didn't age that well in parts, but I still think it's fun. I mean, I think the scene where they're doing the military drills is iconic. I think everyone should watch it.
2: Yeah, I I agree. Uh, I'm stalling until the uh, list of sites we're on comes up. (laughs) Gotcha, Ryan. What do you think?
1: I mean, yeah. I mean, I would definitely, you know, for anybody you know watching this, you know, for the first time, just understand that. It's 1981. Yeah. This pro- this movie was probably written in 1979, 1980. Mm-hmm. It was originally a Cheech and Chong movie. So, yeah. I mean, you've got to take that into consideration. I mean, it was a Cheech and Chong movie that was whitewashed. Yeah, pretty much. So you've got to take that into consideration. And I, like I said, it's it's one of my, like, quote-unquote comfort movies because I've watched – I've seen it ever since I was, like, before the age of eight. So –
3: Also, one thing I didn't bring up that I need to, because everyone needs to know this, the, like, theme song for this movie is a bop. It is so good.
2: The, uh, the score? Yeah,
3: the score for it. Like, the one that, like... Okay, I'm
2: I'm glad you brought that up, because I meant to, and I forgot. Oh, yeah. I swear I know that from other things, and I cannot place it. Oh, no! (laughs) And I did some research. They do, like, a parody of it on Family Guy in season four, where Stewie and Brian destroy the U.S. Superstore. Oh, nice. Or... Um, because they have like a tank, and so they're just destroying everything. Yeah, of course. And I, I watched this. I was sitting here watching the scene while we were talking. Yeah. And it's it's not the music, so I don't know where I know it from, but I know it from something, and it bugs me, and I don't know what it is. Well, I'm hoping one it, of you would know. It's a very generic
1: I'm shaking. It's a very generic military esque sounding like uh like song, and so I wouldn't be surprised if like the. Core beat or the core part of the music is used in other military, like like other not so serious military dramas that was made in the eighties. Uh huh. I could definitely Devin, see it. Devin, did we it.
3: ever?
2: <clears throat> Devin, did we ever play this in band? No, but I feel like we should have.
3: Like I don't know why yeah. we didn't figure it. Like you didn't figure part of it out on trumpet and me with Barry Sax. Like that would have been cool.
2: Because I'd never seen the movie. <coughs> should have made you watch it. Yeah, should have. Uh, he, here we are. <laughs> Over 10 years later, Alan, finally getting to Alan, it.
3: get your trumpet out. We're just doing this live. We'll learn to play it on the podcast. I don't,
2: I don't have my trumpet, but I know where my trumpet is. <laughs> oh, okay. Listen to this shit. Oh, no. My trumpet is currently being used as a TV stand for my brother's second monitor. <laughs> that, remember that old, uh, that big uh, 32-inch TV I yeah. had? Yeah, he has that on it so he can play his PlayStation and his PC at the same time.
3: Being put to good use, then. I love it.
2: Fri- friend of the show, Noah. Friend of the show, Noah. Oh, give him his trumpet back, Noah. Um, yeah, Noah. God. <laughs> all right, I think that's all we got for Strongest. Yeah. So, Ryan, next week is your turn. What are you going to have us watch?
1: Uh, I am going to finally, since this is kind of a theme for me, you guys are going to do uh, uh, Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Yes. Ooh. Good. So, we can finally put, uh, so, Devin can finally. Understand that you know that the movie just isn't about met uh, about a crazy person sculpting uh, uh, a mountain into mashed potatoes. So, because I really want to tell you to what though, take care of that
2: when I sit down to watch this, you bet I'm gonna be eating mashed potatoes.
1: That's fine, like, like <laughs> go ahead. Because, do you because do you want to know what if you do that? You're gonna be you're gonna be falling asleep pretty quickly, you're gonna be falling... yeah. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I'm fine with that. Um, okay, cool. So, close encounters will be our next main episode. But before that, make sure to check in this weekend for our our special special. We haven't done one of those in I a while. These. So we're because the TV season is kind of slow to start this year. We're going to give you three different pilots that we want you guys to watch and hopefully watch the series. So tune in for our uh, TV pilot special uh, dropping sometime this weekend um but until then uh make sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram at you have to watch this podcast you can listen to us on all major podcasting platforms that includes and let me get to the list here <laughs> Apple podcast Google podcast Podbean Spotify and these are the new ones Amazon Music and Audible Ooh. and we are also on TuneIn and Alexa so uh we are listening if, any yes uh, <laughs> we know what you're thinking <laughs> um, co- coming soon to pandora and i think iheart radio so we're expanding out to everywhere so hopefully that's pretty cool hopefully everyone can find us so but until next ryan, time for you ryan, have to watch ryan, this podcast ryan, i'm ryan. alan i'm ryan. ryan and i'm devin ryan. And there she was, just a walking down the street, singing do-a-diddy-diddy-dum-diddy-doo.
1: Popping her fingers and shuffling her feet, singing
0: do-a-diddy-diddy-dum-diddy-doo. She looked good, she looked good, she looked fine, she looked fine, looked good, she looked fine, and I nearly lost my mind. Before I knew it, she was walking next to me, singing do a